My name is Ray Park, you may know me as playing Darth Maul in Phantom Menace, Bone Wars, and also Solo and Star Wars Story. You're listening to Star Wars Stuff Podcast, the force is strong with you all. And remember, sit walk. Hey, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, letting you all know you are listening to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Wishing everybody all the best, and may the force be with you. May the force be with you! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Tano Tuesday Star Stuff Podcast extravaganza. My name is David. I'm Richard Ray from Countdown to the Geekcast and Star Wars Stuff Podcast. And this is where we talk all stuff Star Wars and specifically Ahsoka. So tonight is night. In less than two hours here, we get episode four of Ahsoka, directed by Peter Ramsey. But before we talk about anything, I do want to talk about all of our awesome supporters out there. On Patreon, we have the Purple Tier with Darth Ace One, Liam McCallion, Texas Vader 76, Chris Simpson, Kevin Leininger, Deb McCaffrey, Drew Peter, Zach Netzel. On the red tier, we have Fenrir 526, Maya Morris. On the black tier, we have Maka, Tautala, Nathan Shank, and Evan O'Paker. Thank you so much for all your awesome support. And what do you think is going to happen tonight? They released that clip earlier today, and I think we're both in agreement that it was pretty rad. So what do you think happens, I guess, based on that new clip? I don't know. It got me thinking. I mean, so I got a lot of time to think. So when I'm driving for two and a half hours to go to one account, I'm listening to different podcasts, listening to different people's ideas of what they think is going to happen. A couple of people were talking about that. We're not going to get that scene to possibly towards the end of the episode. Um, But it would be crazy if we get it at the opening scene and then lead up to afterwards. So there's a number of things that it could be. Um, But the fight scene in general, I mean, was just awesome seeing Ahsoka. I was waiting for Sabina to turn her lightsaber on, but she was more using her blasters and stuff, but right, it was a good episode. I watched it. I mean, episode clip. I watched it about like four or five times. So on YouTube here, uh, Pollock Family says, did you notice that Maroc's lightsaber only has w- one half circle on the side? Uh, is that in the recent clip? I don't think he's in the recent clip. No, right? I don't think he's even in the recent clip. Hmm. And we actually do have that clip. I'm about to play it right now. So unless you don't want to see it, I guess for the next uh, minute, uh, turn away. <laughs> That daft droid made it worse. He wouldn't. Set me back a bit. That was some pretty intense fighting. Yeah, I loved and, Sabine's first thing. 
using her Mandalorian fighting skills was awesome. I think this is at the beginning of the episode, not towards the end. Do you think so? But didn't the last episode end? It feels like it ended in daylight, but when we switch over to Balin, it's like dusk. Yeah. So when they go on the hunt for them, I guess, I don't know. That's why that's why we're kind of going either before the episode, that kind of opening scene, or towards the end of the episode. But either way, the fight scene was awesome, especially with um, Ahsoka's fighting with the lightsabers. I was just like, oh, man. I just want more of that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The hum of her sabers, too, is is a pretty cool sound effect. Do you know exactly what they used to create the hum of Ahsoka's sabers? Not hers. I don't know. Because I, th- I think they use different ones for different people, right? Uh, Yeah, for the most part. Um, I think every saber has a unique type of signature. Uh, to the hum of of their blade, um, I'm trying to think back because, of course, Luke had his iconic Skywalker saber that got passed from Anakin to Luke to to Ray, um, and then he had his green saber in Return of the Jedi, and it sounded different. Um, but yeah, but to me, it feels like Ahsoka saber hums are, are becoming more and more iconic as time passes so there's and it's and, and and the sabers i know they're different sabers from what she had in animation but was there do you even remember the hum in in the animation no that's what i was kind of wondering so are they completely i mean you know she did remanufacture her own new sabers so i'm kind of curious because we never see that like when she actually does that you know what i mean so I'm kind of curious, you know, if, where does she get the crystals for them? Well, she, for these sabers, she got the crystals from that Inquisitor from Tales of the Jedi. And she purified oh, okay, okay. the crystals, I believe. Of... I think that's the origin story of the actual crystal she uses for, for the hilts in uh, live action. Gotcha. So... I mean, there's a lot of questions for tonight, man. I'm not, I'm not too sure we're gonna see. Um, I'm pretty sure we, you know, see Balin, but I don't think we're gonna find out who the the other character is. You don't think we're gonna find out who Maroc is? No, I don't think so, man. So there's rumors online that this is gonna be a a Maroc heavy episode. Do you think so? What? what well, those are, are the rumors. I, I don't know. I don't have any substantiated <laughs> proof. Uh, the people that I trust uh, haven't talked about that. So um, I don't know. Maybe they have talked about it and I just missed it. But I like we talked about on the previous podcast, um, that episode or that uh, article from Screen Rant that I read. They feel like it's a mistake that they're hiding this the identity of Morocco. I don't think it's so much a mistake. Um, it it just really depends on how they kind of give that whole reveal. And if it is, in fact, nobody um, that we're aware of, it's just like a brand new character, a brand new Inquisitor, um, you probably don't want to drag it out and make it seem like it's possibly someone 
you just probably want to do the reveal. And if that's the case, I think it happens tonight. And the reveal kind of just happens. And it's like, okay, well, we see the, the characters faced and we, we kind of just move on. And it's someone we don't even know. So we, so if we're, let's, let's say, let's assume that the reveal happens tonight. Are we seeing the helmet being removed, you know, by themselves, putting it on? Are we expecting to see the a saber cracking in half? Kind of the Vader, we see half of the face, half of the other side? Or what are you thinking? I'm thinking it's in the duel between Morak and Ahsoka. Uh, we talked about in the previous podcast how the marketing videos that we've seen we've seen just about everything except for that duel and the duel between shin and sabine in the forest so i think we see that tonight and we basically see everything that they've shown us up until this point and if that's the case we see thrawn tonight as well because we've seen thrawn marketing so we we've seen that moving image of thrawn just kind of walking up in the classic white imperial we see but that's a flashback though because remember what what outfit he's wearing right so, I mean, if tonight is the <laughs> end of the marketing, we see that scene tonight in the flashback or whatever they decide to do. World between world, the start of the world between worlds could happen tonight. And maybe that is in one of the portals. I mean, could be anything really. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. That's true. I mean, because it could be... It could be probably the world between worlds where they're in the center just like um ezra was able to see ahsoka and vader like kind of through the window or through the i guess portal he can see them through the other side i'm wondering if that's what we're going to see kind of thrown through that portal and then it kind of plan plan uh, pans into that room and then we see the full picture probably you know yeah, I mean? there's, there's, I mean, there's so many different possibilities, but uh, I think we're going to get a lot, a lot of lightsaber action tonight, which I totally dig. Uh, I really yeah. like Ahsoka's live action fighting style. I, I really want to see that rematch between Shin and Sabine, but we've all seen that Sabine doesn't have a lot of training though. So how's that really going to factor in? Is she just going to? be better in this in this fight that i'm kind of predicting that we're going to see tonight or what's what's going to happen what's going to intervene is ahsoka going to drop in and kind of like save the day i mean is that is that maybe what's going to happen i don't know that's to me that's kind of cliche but still might happen well i mean it makes you think why didn't why didn't sabine bust her sabers out 
when through this trailer right here. You know what I mean? What held her back from igniting her saber? Could be lack of confidence. Could be that um, that's what she instinctively thought of first. Because I know there was a little bit of controversy uh, with her grabbing the saber when she was on Lethal. Um, and everyone was saying, oh, well, she's a Mandalorian. She should have grabbed her blasters instead. But, I mean, she was in that whole kind of missing Ezra type situation that she was in. And that's the thing that she thought she could use. I, I guess maybe she didn't think she was going to be in that much danger. I don't think she thought she was going to go up against Jet or Dark Jedi. Whatever yeah. Shinati is, whatever the True. proper classification is. So, I mean, her with the saber walking around looking for essentially burglars, maybe. Um, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad choice. But I mean, yeah, she's a Mandalorian. And I do like in that tra- in that uh, commercial, the clip we saw, we get to see her in full like Mandalorian form. She used her her. Uh, What's it called? Um, the the device that Boba Fett has as well. What's the, the little, proper name for it? That I don't know off the top of my head. But I know what you're talking about. If you're in chat, thing. yeah, chime in with that. But uh, yeah, I mean, she, yeah, I mean, she's she's basically doing her Mandalorian thing in the fight yeah. with the blasters, and it's cool to see. And um, I think it's very. As far as marketing goes, uh, very beneficial, I think, to show her as a Mandalorian because all the goodwill with the Mandalorian and uh, seeing her in action. Did you catch that? She kind of pulled a Wonder Woman thing where she used her her kind of protectors on her arms? Yes, yes, for sure. And we learned about that with the Mandalorian live action, how the Beskar can, can deflect saber uh, strikes as well as blaster shots. So. Yeah, that's kind of like a Wonder Woman throwback. Yeah. It's going to be interesting tonight. I mean, I can't wait for it to, you know, so we can see it. I'm probably going to catch it a couple more times, you know, after it airs. So how many times did you watch the last episode, episode three? Time I five? watched it a total of four times. Four times? Yeah. So Which did you... Did you pick up on anything after you watched it the second, third, fourth time? I mean, just little things. Um, things that, because when we're watching it, you know, we're, we get caught up and we don't notice the little things in the background. I go back and I watch it just to see if I miss anything in the background, something that's maybe in the back of the room. Um, so that's why I kind of go back and watch them again. Plus now I'm I'm actually going back and watching them with you know captions because I didn't do that before, in case I miss any you know wording or whatever. So that's pretty much why I'm starting to do that too now because of the podcast you know to get to make sure I miss anything. Hey, what's up, Maka? Just said your name a few moments ago. <laughs> so the one thing I, I think I caught when I watched it uh, on repeat. Uh, was the fact that when the cabinets are behind Ahsoka, there are multiple different lightsabers, and there's those training probe balls from A New yeah, Hope that, I did catch that are that. stashed away. So those could come into play at some point. Uh, See, but it got me wondering. Like that was the only thing that did it did catch my eye, and I was kind of wondering. 
So whose sabers are those? You know what I mean? Or or is it just stuff that um you hang has? You know what I mean? That's his stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's possible. Um, I don't know what kind of storage capacity who Yang has on his body, but because uh, you, you remember when he, he was in his ship, he had kind of like Harry Potter. He had the drawers he was pulling from, from right, behind right. him and everything. I'm kind of wondering if that maybe that's kind of his stuff as well, you know, since yeah. that he's part of that ship now. Yeah, man, I'm really liking that idea. The more and more we think about it, and the more and more time passes, I'm really liking that idea that when they go to this next galaxy, they have Hu Yang, they have Ahsoka to start a new Jedi Order. I mean, all that knowledge that Hu Yang has, and to work with young Padawans over there and develop uh, essentially the, the new Jedi Order in a different galaxy. I mean, all the, all the potentials there. And I think a lot of people kind of jumped to that conclusion too, which was also, I think, a little little surprising, a little non-surprising, but it's it's interesting the way that, that people all kind of thought the same way. And a lot of people did think that, and I saw an article today which was kind of interesting, the fact that, Star Wars had broken a, a rule that George Lucas set up for Star Wars, which wasn't the case because, of course, when you read in the blue font before every George Lucas Star Wars film, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, he's not specifically saying there's only one galaxy. He's just saying in a galaxy far, far yeah. away. And I think people were writing articles that that, that rule was broken. But there was a couple of moments in Star Wars where we do see representation of different galaxies. I think there's a scene in Attack of the Clones and Obi-Wan's looking at a screen and there's multiple galaxies on the screen. Um, and I think there's another example out there, I think, outside of of the live action stuff uh, where multiple galaxies are represented. Um, yeah. And I think um, there was something mentioned. I think it was Dexter Jetster related. In Attack of the Clones, or, or maybe it was in in Legends, that also revealed that there was more than one galaxy that they knew of. But I mean, they always do mention the, the outer realms. You know what I mean? But that's still in the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, they do mention that, but that a lot too as well. Um, mm -hmm. One thing that kind of got me was okay. So let's say they do this new Jedi Order. They're gonna need a they're gonna need Kyber crystals for the sabers. Now, they do mention that's that one planet they go to for the Jedi's to get their crystals and they to find them. And there was also an episode of thinking it was in Star Wars Rebels where they're transporting that big Kyber crystal, which was supposed to be used for the Death Star. Yes. So how do we know that there's other places they can get Kyber crystals they can use for lightsabers? Yeah, there are... The the big planet you're referring to, I believe, in that episode was a planet Ilum, which yeah. was like a really cold planet. A lot of ice, a lot of snow, I believe. Um, and then it was theorized that in The Force Awakens at Starkiller Base used that same planet of Ilum. So instead of having to transport the kyber crystals out, they just take over the planet entirely and they have all the stock they need there. Uh, but if I don't think that was ever fully confirmed, 
but I think it was kind of assumed. I don't know why why it was never confirmed, but um, that planet's gone because Starkiller Base is, is no more turned into a sun, basically. Um, yeah. And then there's another planet, I believe, either in the comics or in the novels. Um, and it was a special planet where you got the orange kyber crystals. And that's how the orange sabers were obtained and used. And of course, now we have Balin Skull and Shinati who have orange sabers. Um, someone I'm... says on Facebook, uh, couldn't they create synthetic kyber crystals? They probably could. Um, but yeah, that raises, that raises an interesting point, I think, because you would figure they would just do that. But you think the Jedi, religion, they want to do things with honor as well. Uh, yeah. Kind of reflecting back to uh, samurai culture and, uh, and mirroring so now, um, the ancient Japanese culture. So now I'm just throwing this out there. Let's say in this other galaxy that we're, you know, we're going to see you, we're going to get to. What if they have kyber crystals there and they're a different type of kyber crystal? So maybe we see different sabers as well, possibly. Yeah, with, with this different galaxy, we can pretty much see anything, really. I mean, it, I mean, it can go back to beings that maybe they're not even susceptible to the Force. I mean, look at the Toydarians. They weren't susceptible to Jedi mind tricks. And sure. I believe... I, I'm not the Thrawn expert here, but I believe the Grisk actually were also pretty uh, not susceptible to to certain tactics that the Jedi used. Um, yeah. Well, they they show, I think it's in the High Republic comic that's coming out that there is a Brisk Jedi, the character in one of the new comics. You see him in a Jedi robe. Interesting. Yeah, I have to look it up. But I did. I, I thought I saw that. I was kind of getting. I was kind of like, "That's I haven't seen that before." So that would be kind of crazy. We have a brisk Jedi. Mind you, this is pre, you know, High Republic. So I think we're going to be getting introduced to a lot of new things, especially with the new comics. Um, and then I don't know. I'm just me just thinking out loud. What if this is going to give us some time travel stuff to where, let's say, kind of like when in the novels where they can kind of like force jump, where they can transport to a past time, but they kind of have to concentrate. If not, they kind of look like ghosts to people if they break their concentration. What if with this new world between worlds, they can go back in time to the High Republic time somewhat? And that's kind of how, how they're going to introduce that kind of genre for the prequel. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what do you think on that part of it? Well, what, what Felonius said about the world between worlds, he, did, he doesn't want to use it as a time machine. Uh, yeah. That type of plot device in the storytelling. Um. So I don't think we're going to see that type of stuff happen. I think it's going to be used sparingly. And it seems like when you when you really break down the whole time travel aspect with the world between worlds, it seems like it's just one 
timeline to me. So if you make one change there, everything else changes the, the past and the future. Because remember when, when Ahsoka told Ezra, if you pull out Kanan, everyone else that he saved might die. Yeah. But then you but then you turn around and think about okay, well, he pulled out Ahsoka. Yeah. So what changes were made because of that Ahsoka pull? I mean, that's kind of the big question there. Yeah, that's one thing that always kind of made me think was like what would have happened if Ahsoka didn't get pulled? What what got changed from that aspect that we didn't notice? Because, you know, we don't see that part of things going on, you know, comic-wise or anything like that. So it kind of it makes you think, man. That's what I like about yeah. Star Wars and especially this part of it. Because you can think all these different things. Yeah. This card time. Hmm? Yeah, I think that's a really good question to ask Floney if, if we ever get in front of him. <laughs> What changed because Ahsoka was pulled out? Because that's those are his own words. That if you if you make a change to the sacred timeline, that's uh, that's going to affect other other things. Now, unless he just pulled Ahsoka out for that time frame to give us this opportunity to get what we're getting right now. Yeah, I mean, is, it has there to is be. No I mean, I don't think we'll ever fully and, and maybe even the creators won't ever fully know what the whole ripple effect of that is but i mean you kind of do and kind of don't because of course they're, they're creating the story but i would really love to see what feloni would say if we asked him that question and maybe at like a comic-con or star wars celebration i know they don't take questions at star wars celebration really but yeah when they do panels at comic-con they do so if you ever did a panel like that i think that'd be interesting can you imagine if we could be a fly on the wall where John Favreau and Filoni are just sitting there drinking coffee, kind of what we're doing right now, just thinking of crazy shit, you know, and talking about what if this, what if that, and maybe between the two, that's when they decide, okay, let's try this or let's go with this. And that's how they come up with their story arcs. You know what I mean? Yeah. I imagine it's Favreau coming up <laughs> with the crazy stuff and then, yeah. And then Filoni says, no, 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 we can't do that. That goes against the rules of what George taught me. And But he says, but we can do this instead. And then he goes into a whole story about how it should be because of this and that. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes down. But hey, I want to give a shout out to Wiki here watching us on YouTube. He says, yo, what's good? Always listen to your podcast on Apple. Thank you so much, Wiki. Thank you for that support, man. It means yeah. a lot to us. Definitely does. And, uh, Keenan Krober says, yo, I love your content. Keep going. Thank you. Thanks, man. So, thank you so much, man or lady. I'm not sure. Love Ahsoka, this person says. So, yeah, yeah, we love to. I love the character. I love everything about it. I love that uh, uh, Rosario Dawson was cast as Ahsoka, oh, yeah. fan cast. I love it when Lucasfilm does things like that because it feels like they're kind of listening to us. But, I mean, Rosario Dawson is is a world class actor, so it's 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 just kind of one of those things that it kind of all converged. She's really into playing Ahsoka. She really wanted to play Ahsoka, and she got the fans behind her, which we may never know how much that helped. But so okay, so a lot of people, there's a percentage of people who don't like Kevin Smith, and there's a percentage <laughs> of people like us who love Kevin Smith. But if you really were to stop 
and look at what Kevin Smith has done. Yeah. Yeah. People give him crap for cop out for, you know, clerks, small rats. To me, I love it. It's, it's on my level, but what gets me is if you look at all the actors that he cast for his movies and look at where they're at right now, currently, you know what I mean? He gets actors who are up and coming really at that point in time. They're not big name characters or actors, but then look at, you know, 20 years down the line, look at Affleck. <laughs> uh, perfect example. Um, and then Sirius Black, you know what I mean? Uh, from Harry Potter. I can't remember his name. Off the Gary top Oldman? Top. Gary Oldman, yeah. You know what I mean? When he was in Dogma. Um, and Gary then, Oldman wasn't in Dogma. Was no, not, get, not Gary Oldman. The other guy. Siri, not Alan Rickman. Black. Alan Rickman, yes. But I mean, well, Alan Rickman and Ben Affleck already had careers. Yeah, but Ben Affleck, when he got him in Mallrats, is when he first he was pretty him. young. Yeah, was that was before young. or after Goodwill Hunting? That was that was before. So, you but see, I mean? even before Goodwill Hunting, Affleck and Damon were doing movies together, like School Ties and yeah, stuff they were like doing... that. But yeah, they they didn't pop yet, but yeah, they were still around. Yeah, and then at Rosario Dawson, same thing. When he got her in Clerks, she was kind of right at that cusp of because, like, right after Clerks. She came out in um, Sin City, and then after that, it kinda... well, didn't she do Men in Black too? Though before that, that was pretty big. No, that was after. Huh. So that's what I'm saying. But the, all these actors, like Rosario Dawson, being cast as Ahsoka is awesome, and her being a geek just like every one of us. You know, that's what I think. That's what makes, you know kind of it's and it's kind of funny too so if you go back to it too with kevin smith and the whole <laughs> the when they're doing clerks and they're talking about the the carpenter the people who built the death star and all that stuff and how that integrated into you know rise of skywalker mm-hmm. um so it kind of you know what i mean it's kind of like how his little influence had such a even though he was also in star wars and played a voice um but it's like how that one person who's a, such a hardcore fan can kind of make a difference in some way or form. You know what I mean? And, and who was the hardcore fan he was talking about? Kevin Smith. Okay. You know, him being a big Star Wars fan and friends with, you know. So, yeah, I know that J.J. Abrams invited Kevin Smith onto the set of The Force Awakens, but what's J.J.'s connection to Kevin? Just they're like, friends or they're just kind of like well just kind of like director film buddies so so Ke- so kevin smith's like star wars connection was basically through his films i know his first film was clerks yeah and they talk about a lot about star wars there and then in subsequent films and then kevin smith essentially became like the like the like the person that was always at san diego comic-con he'd always do the panels and stuff yeah and then I remember he got invited uh, to the Force Awakens set, and I think it was in tw- at twenty fourteen's panel where he talked about it. How JJ had the big like banner that said "loose li- loose lips sink starships." Yeah, and he talked about his experience and how he got to walk up on the Millennium Falcon and couldn't talk about anything, of course. 
And then the next year, he was the panel directly after The Force Awakens <laughs> at San Diego Comic-Con. And he didn't know this, but and our, our buddy Ted from Countdown City Geekcast was there. JJ announced to the crowd that everyone in Hall H was going to get a ticket to a concert outside of, of Hall H. I guess he had to walk down the street to the pier or whatever. So everyone just got up and just left. And there was only a few people in Hall H for Kevin Smith's panel. And uh, <laughs> and I thought that was really hilarious. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it, it's cool to hear Kevin Smith talk about Star Wars because that's when he was a kid that the first the original trilogy came out and he he has a story that he, he tells about his toys how he had a buddy that had toys he didn't have, I believe, and they kind of completed the set together, and yeah. they were they were kind of inseparable as kids. But yeah, Kevin Smith is a great speaker. He uh, he does a lot of uh, speaking engagements, so to speak, and uh, it's just ironic that he plays Silent Bob in all of his work and doesn't speak. Yeah, definitely, that's true. But anyway, this is what I'm saying that when you have fans, and this is where I think a lot of the movies are go, you know, Hollywood gives these directors the IPs to work on, but yet they don't know nothing about this IP. Just because they did a good movie prior and another type of movie, they give them these, you know, these roles. Don't get me wrong. J.J. Abrams did awesome with Star Trek as well. Mm-hmm. But it just bites when you have Hollywood trying to tell them what to do when they really know what they want to do. Yeah. But then you got the Hollywood people telling them, okay, let's change this up. Cause we don't like this, but you know what I mean? And then that's when we see these, these directors who really want to do the movies drop out because they're like, that's not what I want to make. You know what I mean? And that's why we get the situations where we have right now, where we get fans that are not happy with what they see like in Obi-Wan or, you know, like Han, you know what I mean? Like the Han Solo solo uh, movie, you know, when they ended up bringing Ron Howard to come in and finish it, you know, because Disney didn't like what the other directors were doing. So it, it it's kind of one of those catch twenty twos, you know what I mean? But if you give the give it to the right person who's a true fan and wants to give what fans want, they can do pretty good magic, you know what I mean? Like Terry Metalis, who did Star Trek Picard this past season. Dude, he gave the fans what they wanted in Star Trek. You know what I mean? Because he's a huge Star Trek fan. I think that's what Hollywood just needs to do. Give fan directors these opportunities to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I know people will probably be like, oh, no, no. They don't want to see Kevin Smith direct a Star Wars episode. But, I mean, he's done Supergirl. He's produced... uh, He's done an episode on Supergirl, I think one or two episodes. Why don't they give Kevin Smith the opportunity to direct one episode? Or there was write. a rumor early in the in the uh, early 2000s that he was going to direct the show. <laughs> so, yeah, that never came to pass. And I think he did address it. And I think he 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 spoke for 30 minutes on the subject. And he started yeah. from, I think, the the genesis, the the very like atom of that idea and and that whole rumor and i don't i base i think he basically said that it, it wasn't true but i think he threw kind of threw his hat in the ring kind of jokingly 
And yeah. he said he would never be able to direct a great episode at that time. Well, I mean, because it's I don't know about of, now, but well, I mean, you can think about it too. I mean, it's like an artist. You never see your work as good. So it's never good enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is scary. I mean, you're taking on this big responsibility and you try to direct and give fans what they want. You know what yeah. I mean? So you're at that that cusp of do I do it? And disappoint fans so it's it's a hard that's a hard job to have yeah that's why i give some so much respect to jj taking on star wars uh being the first director to pick up the mantle of star wars because i can't even imagine the pressure on that guy yeah i w- i wouldn't be able to do it i wouldn't be able to handle it i just my body would just shut down and have a heart attack you know i mean it's just it's just so much now, not so much now. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we've seen a lot of different things now. And it, it, I mean, Star Wars to me is so sacred that even when the Phantom Menace dropped, I was just, I couldn't sleep at night and I can sleep anywhere. Uh, I'm just one of those people <laughs> that can fall asleep whenever. Um, but it was very nerve wracking at that point in time in 99 and 2015. That whole year of 2015, all I thought about was Star Wars and The Force Awakens. And that was like my life. I mean, straight up, just nothing but Star Wars 24-7. And after seeing The Last Jedi and what Ryan Johnson did, I got less scared and less um, kind of sacred about Star Wars because it feels like anyone can come in now and do, has has a little bit more leeway to do what they want to do. And it's okay, you know? Maybe not so much with The Last Jedi because there's a lot of backlash with that. But, I mean, the, Star Wars to me is a big sandbox that a lot of a lot of creators can play in. And, yeah. I mean, there's the whole, like, canon films and saga films we're doing that allegedly ended with The Rise of Skywalker. But they're going to do a Rey movie now. So that's really continuation. Or maybe a Rey supporting character film i don't know that that whole thing is a little strange but um we don't have to be as careful with these movies and then going to the next galaxy there's another galaxy you can play in you know i mean there's so much room for creators to do stuff in star wars i i wish that i i know it it feels like kathleen kennedy is kind of the end-all, be-all, say-all to to what gets released. And, I mean, I think she's really the choke point for all that stuff because, like you said, you want to hire fans, directors that are fans to do the stuff, but in the end, she has a final say, and she's the only one that's hiring directors that are named directors that yeah. uh, are hot, usually, at the moment, like Lord Miller, Colin Trevorrow with Lost World. Um, the list kind of goes on and on, but um, Benny and Weiss, Game of Thrones, yeah. But it always seemed like once once they left, the previous project didn't do so hot, so yeah. they were like scrapped in a way, um, which is unfortunate. I mean, that, that's that's something that you really shouldn't so um, count. I think in in the hiring process and and keeping on talent. I mean. You hire the talent because of their past work and, and their pitch to what they wanted to do, not so much the last thing they did. So, what were we gonna say? 
Well, I was going to say, what do you think? you think with this rider strike that you're going to see, since they're going to have, they're, you know, they're canceling all these projects that they had planned, not just Star Wars, but I'm talking about not like pushing stuff back. So do you think we're going to get better material, better stories now? Since we're not rushing, they're not going to be rushing to put the content out. Do you think we're going to get better storylines? Well, Bob Iger already said we're going to pull back. Um, yeah. But to focus more on the, the story so it's more, you know, instead of rushing it out, do you think we're going to get better, you know, better storylines? I mean, we should. I mean, logic tells you that if they pull back and they concentrate on fewer series, we should get better stuff, better CGI, better writing. Um, but to me, it's like, I mean, Filoni's a writer. He's, even though there's a strike happening, I mean, do you really think that all these writers just really stopped writing? I'm pretty sure they're, they got to fill their time with something, either with their second or third job that they're doing. But I mean, the, a writer's mind to me is always working. It's uh, the cogs oh, yeah. are always spinning. So even with me, I'm not even a writer, and I imagine things. You know, I mean, it's it's my brain don't stop. Like you say, Ray, to me all the time, my brain doesn't stop with all this stuff. So it's just one of those things. It's like, okay, yeah, there's a strike going on, but I think content and and creatives minds are still constantly going and the more time that passes it's super unfortunate that this is happening but it's it's kind of nature uh the nature of the business and capitalism and people thinking that people are are paid sufficiently and, and another group thinking they're not and then there's negotiations that have to happen it's all going back to star wars man negotiations and trade rounds <laughs> and blockades so <laughs> Yeah, That's I mean true. it's it's just yeah, it it it's just crappy right now. But going back to what you originally asked, yeah, I mean the story should get better, but it feels like Filoni is has a a long game, a roadmap to where this is all going. And as it all unfolds, it seems like some of the stuff that we kind of assumed we thought was fact is really not like the whole galaxy thing every 90 percent of the people out there thought there was only one galaxy when we've been shown in the past no there's multiple galaxies yeah and i'm trying to think of other examples um i want to say maybe the morgan elizabeth fact of it all that she is a night witch and nobody thought that she could even be remotely related it feels like that she could be related to the night sisters and well, that I mean, whole thing well, well if you look at the night sisters they don't look nothing alike you know what i mean that's why i said yeah she's wearing red but she looks nothing like the night sisters so that's what that really is what threw me off as well to a certain extent because i was expecting to see what we saw in the night sisters in you know star wars right. rebels and clone wars right so it 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 kind of threw me now kind of wondering are they all going to kind of look similar to her to a certain extent, the way they're dressed or is she the only one or are we going to see more? You know what I mean? Well, I guess the question is, do we know on our percent sure she is a night witch or is she just kind of like one of these like followers in a way? Oh, kind of like the ones that want to be a night witch, but they're not right. Officially. Right. Kind of, kind of like how like Knights of Ren are kind of like want to be Sith almost. 
Yeah, that's true. Like yeah. I said, so many questions, man. So many questions. <laughs> One question, so, that's another. <laughs> so it looks like Jorge Hernandez Gonzalez says, this live? Yep, it's live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're getting ready for Ahsoka. But at the same time, we're just, brains just going off thinking of crazy stuff. Yeah, Joshua Hancock on YouTube says, uh, more quality, less quantity, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, take your time. If something is not fully baked, Give it the time to bake and present us with a pretty cake, you know? Exactly. That's the whole thing. Um, but of course, then there's a business side of it. There's shareholders. They they want to see that return on investment. And Disney's already made that big return on investment with the first film. They got the $4 billion back essentially with the first film when they bought the franchise. So all of this should be cake. I know I'm talking about cake a lot, but... No, I mean, that's the thing too. Like, I was... So when when um Petty Jenkins was going to do Rogue Squad Rogue Squadron I was really excited for it you know what I mean uh, cuz I mean if people read the novels and stuff like that it was a cool series so yeah. I kind of wanted to see more X-wing action you know them going on runs um you know what I mean that would be so cool and then to have backstory maybe we would have had you know new characters introduced or old characters possibly that we get to see them kind of training new you know rogue leaders and squadron you know what i mean so i was really excited for that and i really hate that it got pushed back and it's not you know possibly going to get developed maybe but i was excited for that yeah, uh, Rogue Squadron got shelved. I think that's the term that they're using. And yeah. Patty Jenkins, I mean, to me, Patty Jenkins wouldn't wouldn't have been my first pick for that. But who would you have picked? Um, I don't know, but not Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins is known for doing Wonder Woman, of course, which I thought that was a little overrated. I thought that was really paint by numbers, really. Um, she did Monster, which which got Charlize there in her first Academy Award, um, and I think that really put her put her in the uh, in the eyes of studios to to bring her on. But and then Wonder Woman eighty four was just not good with Pedro Pascal. Um, but yeah, I mean Rogue Squadron. I mean that is a terrific idea for a story. The books that were written in the nineties are so beloved uh, by by a big audience, and if they just make the books. That'd be great. And I've been harping on this for a long time now, for years. The canon novels. There's a lot of canon novels that are really great, like Lost Stars. Would kill in the movie theater. Would be terrific by Claudia Gray. Would be awesome. It's tied to stuff that we all universally love. Um, and they're not doing that. Because I think Lucasfilm stances, if it's, if it's in book form, we're not going to adapt it to live action, which is something... Like I say all the time, if I was president of Lucasfilm, I would change that immediately. I mean, because you read the book and then you're going to watch the movie. The movie's obviously going to be different. It, you cannot have it page for page identical adapting. That that's that's been that goes for everything. Jurassic Park, Watchmen. It's all been different. It all has to change. Even though Zack Snyder did try to make Watchmen panel for panel almost identical, he still had to make changes. So yeah, I mean, so. In Rogue Squadron, do you think it's just because 
they don't want to do those novel type stories, convert them to movies because they don't have iconic names tied to them as in Skywalker, Han Solo, you know what I mean? Sincere characters. I think that, that has, are not... I think that is part of the equation of their thinking. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But to me, the 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 thing that makes the money is the brand name Star Wars. Anything Star yeah. Wars, families are going to go watch because it's a family brand, and I mean it's it's just one of those things. I mean they, to me, I always talk about this that Lucasfilm had it perfect releasing the, a movie during Christmas time. It's family time. Families can go out together to the cinema, watch it for Christmas, drop a trailer during Black Friday. The Force Awakens to me had the perfect model, and they strayed away from that with Solo. I don't know why. Bob Iger already said that was his mistake, but I mean, it. it they they kind of changed over my idea when I first heard the fact that they're going to release the Star Wars film during Christmas. I didn't like it. I always thought May was Star Wars month, and it, they should have kept that tradition. But it won me over. Um, having having that Star Wars film. In Christmas time, it's it, what a great Christmas present to have, you know. I mean, yeah. that's like the Christmas present to humanity, essentially. And I thought it was a great move. I thought it was a great strategy, but then of course they strayed away from that. And then streaming came along, and they said, "Oh, look, let's try and do this. It's the new frontier." But it looks like it's more of no, it's it's not the new frontier. You're going to be stagnant. You're going to plateau with your with your earnings, and it feels like um, streaming is slowly becoming the new cable in a way because you have to buy all these streaming platforms to see everything you wanted to kind of like with cable but cable is all bundled and we've had that discussion before but uh maybe you don't think though like in if they would if they would do world squadron that it would make fans fall in love with a new character yeah that that's yes that is prime territory to create a brand new story create new beloved characters, put pilots in those seats that of alien races we've never seen before. And you can yeah. create something new, but you could also go back to the books, like I said before, and just do Rogue Squadron, the movie, based off of those novels that are so beloved that yeah. they'll get in that audience for sure. And then, of course, with the name branding of Star Wars, everyone's going to go see it. But the trick with Rogue Squadron, to me, is the fact that when you say Rogue Squadron, you think it's going to be heavy dogfighting, heavy CGI, and that's going to be expensive, really expensive. If I think if you do it right, if, if you give us the proper amount of stuff, I would hate to go to a Rogue Squadron movie 
and see very little space battle and more like talking. Because for me, Rogue Squadron, you go there to see the space battle. You know, it's got to be one of the best space battles. Because you look at the end of Rogue One, I mean, that rivals Return of the Jedi space battle right there. So it's like you got to be either on par or better than those two. Okay, I may be a little bit old, and you're probably gonna start laughing. So, Battlestar Galactica, Airwolf, are old TV shows. They use the same scenes almost in every freaking episode. Uh, fight scenes you know it's the same freaking plane getting shot down just a different you know i guess supposedly dogfight or whatever but right. you can you know it's the same special effects over and over um but now with technology it could be done but like you said cost but at the same time what we talked about yesterday that's just going to put more work on the people who do the cgi when they're already backed up and already working hard it's kind of one of those hard balances, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, so this Facebook user says, uh, this is a great pick right here, uh, Joseph Kaczynski, who directed Top Gun Maverick. Oh, I mean, yeah. He already directed a Star Wars movie, but it was called Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> so, I mean, he's already been there, done that. So, yeah. I I mean, that's not Christopher McQuarrie. That's Tom Cruise's go-to director for everything outside of Top Gun Maverick. So, yeah, I mean that would be a great idea. Um I yeah. would I would vie for him. I I'd have no problem with him. He's already directed one of the biggest movies of all time. So yeah, I mean that would that that's a great pick actually. Yeah, that's gonna be pretty cool. Like I said, that's tonight, you know, in I don't know, I was, that's something that we didn't talk about too. So like the the ships that we saw um in the first episode of Ahsoka, it kind of looked like an X Wing kind of, but it didn't when they were chasing Sabine, that the ships they had. Oh yeah. The E-wings, the E-wings. Those are new ships. I've never seen before. You know, that's the cool thing that we can get introduced into new ships as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be fantastic. And I don't know if there's any more Christopher McC- or not Christopher McCory, Ralph McCory, um, art that we can still mine, uh, because it feels like we've mined just about everything. But I mean, you don't know because I mean that whole like big Lucasfilm archive that we don't have access to. Um, there might be other ships out there that he designed that we could pull from. Um, oh yeah, I love it when they do that. But I mean, you could still bring in a new artist, just like how they brought in Ludwig Göransson to do the scoring. They yeah. brought in, they didn't bring in John Williams to do the Mandalorian, and I think we got an iconic score. So there is talent out there, and I keep on talking about that on the podcast. <laughs> I guess I'm going to talk about it until I'm blue in the face. But there's a lot of talent out there, guys. Yeah, you that just Star Wars find can them. pull in and do the thing. Bring in young people, the kids, the kids out there got some great talent. I mean, you think about oh, Christopher Nolan, David Fincher. They already said no. They want to stay away from it. They got their own careers doing their stuff, and it's great. But there's kids out there that have new ideas, new ways of thinking, breathe in new blood into Star Wars. And I don't think we're going to see that until Kathleen Kennedy leaves, unfortunately. But there has to be, and we talk about this all the time too, there has to be someone at the top that loves Star Wars, that loves the stuff, that gets the fans, that gives the fans what they want. I mean, I, I truly believe that if you're at the top of Star Wars, you can get... You can eat your, you can have your cake and eat it too. You can give this sect of fans what they want, 
You can give the older fans what they want, give the newer fans what they want simultaneously via the shows and films, but um, I'm not in charge of Lucasfilm, so <laughs> I can't green light those things. Well, I mean, what's the only thing about the comics? I mean, they're slowly introducing characters from the comics into, you know, Mandalorian. Um, so the possibilities are there. Um, we don't know what their bottom line is or what they're wanting to project. Um, all we can do is sit back and wait and be happy with what they're giving us for right now because we're going to have a big gap where we ain't going to have anything. So let's just sit back and enjoy, play some bingo tonight <laughs> and hopefully you know, we get some good stuff you know people are talking about you know that one of the guys was posting on here you know the ratings you know are they gonna let you know him go which was, was the facebook user yeah so, jorge uh, yeah um uh, yeah he uh on youtube jorge says uh will feloni be out due to bad ratings for soka the ratings aren't bad per se they're they're mediocre um, I think they're the same as Andor, which I think the studio would like more, um, more people watching, more households watching. But to me, that thing is that, that whole rating system, uh, like figuring out who's watching, I think it's in an exact science. I, yeah, I no, it's, it's uh... very accurate. Um, so it's just, I don't know how they come up with those numbers, but, um, I mean, I don't think Filoni's in danger of losing his job at any point in time. I mean, he's. He's an executive now. He's a creative executive head. Um, he's not the president of Lucasfilm, but I don't think he wants that job. Um, to me, I think what the president of Lucasfilm really should do is consult with Filoni and be like, hey, should we should we green like this? What do you think? And base that decision on what Filoni thinks and the grand road. That's why I think there should be a fan at the top that kind of understands Star Wars and and sees like the master plan of it all and that's through Filoni and the thing I'm yeah. concerned about which I always talk about is who's Filoni's apprentice who's studying under Filoni in case something happens to Filoni or Filoni decides to leave Star Wars and say hey guys I'm gonna do my own thing which I don't think is gonna happen but and that's the thing that, well the, the thing is there's also a lot of writers out there like there's writers in the comic world mm -hmm. who write awesome comics if they could just convert some of those stories to the movie, you know, genre, they would be awesome converted into movie form, but they're comic book writers, you know what I mean? And they write for TV shows, stuff like that. Like if perfect example for DC kingdom come, if you've ever read that story arc, it's a good story arc beginning to end. That's what they need to make in the movie format. Um, but at the same time, if you get the right, I guess, right person to direct, we'll go we'll perfect example. We'll talk about Blue Beetle that you had two creators, one guy who creates Jaime Reyes, the other guy, you know, uh, Cully, who makes the artwork to create the new suit. You get these two guys create a new character and then you get this director, Angel Manuel, and he takes what they created and converted it into an awesome movie. You know what I mean? It's just you got to find that perfect package. For the right person to come in and take that and take it to that next level you know what i mean yeah it's it's almost impossible to like create, winning the lotto. to create a good piece of of media a, a great movie a great tv show 
um, it's ultra hard, I yeah. should say, to do this stuff. And it's almost impossible to create greatness on screen, whatever whatever story you have. I mean, you could take some of the greatest stories and, and make a horrible film or TV show. True. So, I mean, the people that do this have my total respect that they're creating this stuff for us. And, of course, I lived through the 90s, and we had <laughs> nothing live action. Yeah. And... The day I heard that they're they're gonna make Star Wars again, I like, I was just. Do you gotta admit too? You even in the nineties when they were like re-releasing the episodes, you know, and adding additional features, explosions, and stuff like that. How many of us lined up to go watch this movie? The movies when they came out again, and they were just re-releases. Everyone did. Yeah, I think just about everyone did. But um, I mean, it's it's a very kind of hard thing to describe in a way because I know I just said I wanted Lost Stars to be adapted into live action. It can never really be the same thing. I, and, and Lucasfilm's stance on that is, okay, well, you already got the novel, so you already got that story. We're continuing yeah. on. We're moving forward in the grand canon timeline. Um, so I think that's why they're not doing that. They have this whole... And I, too, at not so long ago, I was very, very precious about the canon timeline. But now it's like, I mean, we it feels like to me we need to open it up. You know, I mean, we can still have the canon timeline, then move to the side and do stuff that's non-canon stuff. Now, the listeners and the viewers might say, okay, well, we've already been doing that with Visions. Yeah, Visions is great. You can see that stuff as like a standalone concept and it's in its own kind of like side tells type else world type stories, which is great. Fantastic. Why not do that with the films? Do that with the films too. And I think you can get a lot of goodwill back that I think Star Wars is, is probably lost. And you could do some really cool stuff. The Star Killer thing, once people saw Sam Witwer in, in the credits, they were like, oh my gosh, Maroc is Star Killer. And probably not. But I mean, you could see that kind of bubbling up of the fandom. Like, that possibility just got a lot of people talking and there's people of a certain age that fell in love with star Wars via the force unleashed. And John Boyega was one of them. He told us that he was really, really into the force unleashed one and two. And that there's all kinds of different fans for star Wars. It, it, it surprises me all the time when people, will tell me how they got into Star Wars. The younger people, especially, it's always Clone Wars. It's Rebels. It's the Lego games. I mean, it's so surprising not to hear them just say, Luke Skywalker, <laughs> Princess Leia, because that's what I grew up with. And of course, that's just a sign of me not realizing that I'm old now. But I mean, it, it's, it's such a shock to hear people say how, what avenue they got into star wars and it's like wow it's like wow that's incredible it's like you're a fan of the same thing i am but you don't love exactly the same things i love which is which is great i i love that that's that just shows that star wars is is resilient and it's gonna last that's true now the same thing with the force unleashed that to me was the next the storyline for that game was awesome in general where you kind of and it kind of tied in still with the whole cloning process and, you know, trying to create, you know, the clone process. But my thing was with Starkiller was, you know, he's Vader's apprentice. 
you know, in the video game, I don't know, it was just me how I took it, but in the video game, it was so cool seeing him being able to like grab the, you know, the TIE fighters and just like bring them down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was a new thing that we never saw in the movies. So that was cool for a game. And then also getting to see the story, you know, the cutscenes. So I know a lot of us would love to see Starkiller in live action, which I would love it if they gave it to us. You know what I mean? But I think Starkiller gave us something that we hadn't seen before. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. With Hayden Christensen being as young as he is, still can play Vader, still can jump in the suit. You bring in all the Hayden fans, then you bring in all the video game fans. And I think people underestimate the video game community. The video game industry makes more than the movie industry. Yep. So, yeah, video game costs you $70 plus now compared to a movie ticket that's $10, $15, $20 or whatever. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunities out there. And it feels like they're, I mean, Disney looks some letting some stuff like kind of slip away. I don't like the fact that these actors are getting older. They're going to age out of these roles pretty soon. And we're it's going to have to be deep fake city or hire brand new actors to play these roles when you don't necessarily have to. But it does feel to me that Lucasfilm has kind of seen that in a sense, and they're bringing Hayden around more. I mean, we all know he's going to be in Ahsoka that we haven't seen yet in any of his episodes, and he did Obi-Wan, and who knows what else is on the horizon. Um, I don't think there's any rumors out there for anything that he's going to do, but I would love to see a continuation of the Obi-Wan Vader and actually both of them have an Obi-Wan timeline where he's training with Qui-Gon and the Vader going through his um, ordeal of uh, being in the suit and maybe having dreams of, of Padme, what his life could have been. And we can see that on screen, which would be, be incredible. And Natalie Portman's already stated, yes, I'd like to come back to Star Wars. So you get the whole band back together before they totally age out of their roles and, <laughs> And yeah, and they're going to make money off that for sure. So they don't have to really worry about that. True. But um but of course they got to let it they they got to let it bake properly and have it fully baked before they so I wonder it. what the fans want to see tonight or what are they expecting to see? Yeah. So yeah, if you're in chat, uh you want to tell us what you're anticipating for episode 4 for tonight. It'll be the halfway point. We'll be half done with the Ahsoka series, which is crazy to think about. So, yeah, there's the Facebook user right here that says Gareth Edwards for, for Rogue Squadron. Yeah, I'm a fan of Gareth Edwards. I think he's got talent. Um, I'm not quite sure what happened with Rogue One because we all know now that his new movie, The Creator, is about to drop. And Kiri Hart, who is an executive at Lucasfilm, jumped ship from Lucasfilm and is his executive producer for that film. And Gareth Edwards was able to cast incredible talent for that film. Um, I mean, you got uh, John David Washington, I think playing the league, Denzel Washington's son, who also starred in Tenet, a Christopher Nolan film. He got Ken Watanabe back, who he had for Godzilla. Gareth Edwards directed the first Godzilla film in uh, many decades. Um, And I know there's like a laundry list of, of really top-tier talent in Gareth Edwards' new film, The Creator, which is going to drop pretty soon. Very kind of Blade Runner-esque and concepts in there and dealing with AI. 
So yeah, I mean, I would love I would love for him to come back to Star Wars personally. And uh, yeah, Jorge points out two million House of Dragon and ten million close to eleven million. So I I think one of the factors, and we were always talking about on the podcast, why don't they release the shows during a normal watching time where everyone can watch it together and make it appointment viewing, appointment TV, which they have now for Ahsoka. So the problem, though, I think is House House of the Dragon is kind of the spinoff from Game of Thrones, but it still had. In a sense, I think the way that Game of Thrones ended, people were very upset. Uh, a lot like The Last Jedi in Star Wars, a very kind of interesting corollary there. And people wanted to see, I think, how bad House of the Dragon was going to be in a sense. But then when those people tuned in and it was really good, people were interested that were fans and people were kind of maybe also hate watching in a sense and it just retained all those people now for ahsoka i don't think it has that i know it is star wars but it's not being plugged um as star wars as much as house of the dragon was plugged as game of thrones i don't know i could be wrong but it feels like ahsoka that didn't have that name recognition and then you see the branding of House of the Dragon, and you automatically know that you're going to see dragons. And the dragons were pretty epic in Game of Thrones and the way they were used. So it's a little bit different in that way. And we've we've already seen Star Wars TV shows, and a lot of people have chimed in with the good shows and the bad shows, so to speak. But we've never seen a spinoff for Game of Thrones. And was it going to live up to the original Game of Thrones? And I think it did. And I'm a huge fan of it. I I really thought they knocked it out of the park. But then I hear again that some people didn't like House of the Dragon. I'm like, what? Yeah. I mean, if you're a fan of Game of Thrones, I mean, I thought they just totally knocked it out of the park. I loved it. And I'm not a big GOT fan. And I, I loved it. So, yeah, Jorge on uh, YouTube says, just like Andor, the ratings. Yeah. Identical to what Andor did. So. And then to also to my point, Ahsoka is not the big time Obi-Wan or Luke or Anakin type character. Yeah. Most people my age and above don't even know who Ahsoka is. I mean, that's that's just the fact. <laughs> my brother, who's a huge Star Wars fan, was like, I don't even know who that is. And it's like, well, yeah, you'd, you'd have to watch Clone Wars and Rebels to, to actually know that. Because she was never in any live action other than The Mandalorian. So. Yep. Kidding. So yeah, Legacy of Nerd, we asked the question, what do you anticipate seeing tonight? Uh, Legacy of Nerd says, I think tonight we will see some lightsabers, maybe a ship, someone using the force. It'll be really good. <laughs> Those are some good ingredients there. Yep. So I agree, yeah. And, and Jorge the, on yeah. YouTube says, Balin's storyline, I want to know more about him. I think we all want to know more about him. I think we are going to get the goods on him. We're going to find out about his history. And who Shin is related to him, if it's his daughter, if it's someone he found, what the deal with her, what their relationship is. You think it would be cool if we can see how he survived Order 66? That'd be very cool. And then you can mark it off on the bingo card. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I have a lot of younger fans disagreeing with me on this, but I want to see more Order 66. I want to see more of that stuff because that is the war in Star Wars. I want to see more war stuff. That's what I love. So I think Star Wars is is prime Star Wars when we see that type of thing. And see, that's also, what I want to see. See, also gets question two is like, how many other Jedis did survive that we don't know about? A bunch, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I don't know. If, if you had to guesstimate how many Jedi, would it be tens? Would it be hundreds? I mean, what are we talking here? Because, I mean, you got Cal Kestis, you got Balin, you got... Who else? Um, Quinlan Voss, um, Yoda, Obi-Wan. Um, who else survived? Help us out in chat. Trying to think here. I guess the Inquisitorious. <laughs> they all turned dark, though. Yeah. But uh, And I guess technically you can't mark them as a survivor because they all kind of turned. But... Um, yeah, Ahsoka. <laughs> Durr. <laughs> Thinking too deep here. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a pretty decent list. Yeah. That's why I said, man, it, it leaves things open for so many things that... Kanan. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, technically he's dead now, but yeah. Yeah. Legacy Nerd says Cal Keaton. <laughs> Kestis. Okay, yeah. Cal Kestis. Yeah. And I, I didn't get to play the game, so I don't know who else he encountered in the game, so you won't get spoiled <laughs> on that. I have the game. I bought the game first day, but have Dude, been able to play Dude, how you it. not play that game? I would have played it already by now, but I just have not upgraded my Xbox because busy, I don't like man. the download. I have, I have multiple jobs. <laughs> hey, so do I. But... I'm like one of these jobbing actors that's on strike, but unfortunately I'm not on strike. Or fortunately, I don't know. Depends on how you look at it. Okay, Jorge says that he read somewhere that it was hundreds. I could see that. I could totally see yeah. that. Hundreds of Jedi survived. Let's keep on going with that, man. I would love to see that. I don't mind it. The guy who dies in front of Obi-Wan. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Benny Safty, who was just in uh, Oppenheimer as the Russian. Who had great performance by him, by the way. And he directed Adam Sandler, Nunca Gems. Terrific, terrific talent. That's why I said, man, there's so many stories that we can see, you know, like Balin, like that. I really want to see his backstory um, and how he found his apprentice. You know, was she a youngling? Was she already at that age where she is currently? Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many questions, you know, you want to see. Flashbacks, man. Flashbacks can make a big difference in this show, I think. Um, yeah, I'm already liking Ahsoka, but I mean, I think Filoni still hasn't thrown his haymakers yet. And of course, he's going to direct <laughs> the next episode and we're going to get some big, like, break the internet type moments, I think. And people are going to freak and people are going to... More people are going to come to the show, and uh, those numbers, I think, are going to jump. So I'm throwing this out there. I'm just throwing this as a spinoff. What if they did like what they did with the comics where you have you follow Vader, and you know they do a series where we've got Vader sending you know 
the apprentice or the apprentice, but the and mine's going to blank right now. The inquisitors mm-hmm. after Jedi's and they're hunting them down. Yeah. You know, just focus on that. Like give us eight episodes of Vader sending off and then Jedi's who are getting away and yeah, you know, give us something like that. I think that would be cool to see. Yeah, that's what a lot of us thought the Obi-Wan show was going to be. We were going to see his storyline on the side, him hunting down Jedi and new Jedi being found and hunted and killed. And we thought it was going to be like Cody as one of the main characters and bring back Tamir Morrison and him helping hunt down and kill the Jedi like Obi-Wan explained in A New Hope and tie it all together that way. And then Obi-Wan finding out about that knowledge and thinking all these Jedi, I mean, even after the the massacre of order 66 having all these new Jedi that we never knew about hunt down and kill. Yeah. I think and I'm glad Jorge agrees with me on YouTube. Vader show would be amazing. I've been saying that for a long time too. <laughs> Cause the comics were cool. That's what I was just thinking about that. Right. And I just popped in my head. Yeah. Yeah, a Vader show would be epic, but I have a lot of people disagreeing with me. I'm glad Jorge on on YouTube agrees with me. Um, a lot of people will argue that oh, Vader got six films. He got the the OT and the <laughs> and the prequels. It's like, but that yeah, but we saw like we saw Vader as an old man in the original trilogy, yeah. and in the prequels, we got that last snippet at Revenge of the Sith of him saying no, and then that was it, you know. I mean, we, we got to see him as Darth We Vader, never got to see Anakin. him in his prime. We never got the right. prime. Exactly, 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 yeah. I, I want to see him just go nuts in some sequences with his saber and Dude, actually I mean, see... Him face off with other Jedi. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, exactly. That would be, that would be crazy. Almost like a video game, I mean... The Jedi like slices through all the uh, stormtroopers, and like the final boss is Vader, and of course yeah. he's going to win. And we can see stuff like some of the sideshow toys have shown us Vader all like torn up and his skin exposed and barely hanging on, but still using the Force. I mean, that's like great stuff. I think people would love that. And we got a tiny taste of it at the end of Rogue One, and. The one big thing that people walk away from that movie say, oh, my God, that hallway scene was epic. And that was like the cherry on top of that movie, you know, and that's what I think made that film just age just like fine wine. It gets better after every single year that passes. And and that's something I think that we all want to concentrate on and see and hopefully gets created and hopefully Hayden doesn't age out. Yeah, that's true. And Joshua Hancock on YouTube says, I'm still mostly patiently waiting to finally see Jar Jar in live action again. It's got to happen. I think we're going to get Jar Jar in live action. I think, I don't know when, I don't know where, I think it's going to happen. I think there's so much goodwill towards Ahmed Best. And Ahmed Best actually just um, said something on social media that uh, he wanted uh, Kelleran Beck, his Jedi, to be more involved in a future Star Wars project. And it goes back to me, if if I had the option to do things and, and be in charge of a Lucasfilm, I would put Ahmed Best in everything. Even if he if uh, even if his face wasn't shown, he could be a, a character wearing a mask. I mean, 
he's in the family, you know. I mean, he played Jar Jar, so I, I would always have him on standby if, if he was willing to do it. I mean, I think he lives in the like New England area, but uh, I don't know. Maybe he lives in in the uh, Manhattan Beach area where they film all the shows now. But I mean, it would be cool. If, let's say we don't see Jar Jar, but we see maybe a descendant of Jar Jar, of Jar Jar, like mm-hmm. a son. You know what I mean? Jar Jar's son, how interesting. <laughs> hey, you know what I mean? You never know. Exactly. So many things that can happen. Yeah. So many possibilities. But uh, yeah, I think that's uh, it for the Ahsoka pre-show. Thanks for everyone for joining us. Uh, we are about 10 minutes out from the show starting on Disney+. Plus, So we are going to do a post-show. And we're going to try and break it down as best we can and uh, go through some of the frames. And uh, I think Colin is actually going to join us. and uh, Or maybe he won't. He just texted me. Um, it looks like he's doing something special tonight for uh, Ahsoka that I'm not sure if I can talk about or not. Um, <laughs> so we'll see about that. But yeah, we'll probably have uh, more views and opinions on the post show. So. Um, Thanks for everyone in the chat on YouTube, Twitter. Um, there's a bunch of you guys watching. And uh, yeah, thanks for that. And uh, we'll be back after the show ends. So hope to see you there. For Ray, my name's David. Metro Ray. Always. <laughs>